And uh, welcome from me if you're new. I'm Tim, been around for a while. And uh, was beautifully set up by Richard this morning, Rich McConnell, in that earlier slot, uh, hiding God's word in our heart, because I thought that it was time we learned to verse. We haven't done that for a little while together, so we're going to learn a Bible verse. I hope that you're ready. I hope your brains are sharp. I hope your memory's as good as Mads was, remembering 13 digits in a row uh, a, a little bit earlier on. Here is the verse that we're going to learn together. Amy, thank you very much. Take it away. Da-da, drum roll. It's a big one. You're going to have to be really, really sharp. And if Amy can't find it, I'm going to have to read it. There it is. Okay. All right. Digest it. Take it on board. Take it on board. Pray about everything. It's in the Bible. Part of the Bible. Philippians 4 verse 6. Part of that in the New Living Translation. Pray about everything. You've seen that verse before. It won't come as a shock to you. But that's the message this morning. That is the message. Look at those words. Say those words. Say them aloud. Pray about everything. Pray about it. Say it over your own heart. Pray about everything. Say it over your neighbor. Put a hand on them if you dare. Pray about everything. Say it to them. Pray about everything. Say it to your, your family in your head. Say it to your friends. Say it to the church family. Pray about everything. Pray about everything. It's interesting, isn't it? It doesn't say think about everything. Although that's good. doesn't say worry about everything, although that's bad. doesn't say forget about everything. That's a disaster. <laughs> Pray about everything. Pray about everything. You can fall asleep now if you want to. Pray about everything. Uh, Mike, uh, our dear friend Mike here on, on the team here, he had such a tough time remembering that. Actually, he had to have that tattooed on his arm. Uh, your memory might be... Have we got that picture? Thanks, Amy. I'm, I know I'm testing you this morning. Uh, Mike, your memory may be better than Mike's, but I love, I love the thought that Mike has uh, tattooed on his arm here. There it is, Philippians 4 verse 6, literally, if you've seen him, you've seen it there. Pray about everything, because it's a daily, he walks around with a daily reminder, I need to pray about everything. There's nothing that lies beyond the scope of God's ability to do something. I just need to pray about everything. Love that so much. So we're continuing in this series of messages under the broad One of the broad vision themes, all in with God. We know about that now. All in with God, shorthand phrase, powerful phrase. By the way, in brackets, I do wonder how you read that phrase as it's becoming part of our vocabulary here. Do you put a question mark at the end of it? uh, Or do you put an exclamation mark at the end of it? I just wonder. Or do you hover between the two or neither? Is it a question, all in with God? Am I? Are we? It's an invitation from, am I all in with you, God? Or or, or are you somebody who now can put an exclamation mark at the end of that? Yes. This is my declaration. I am all in with God. I'll just leave that thought with you. It occurred to me to say it. But within that framework, we're focusing on prayer um, at the moment. So this message is one about prayer. As you now know, pray about everything. It's been prayer week this week. Hills and I felt strongly led by the Lord for our preparation and engagement with prayer prayer week to sit beside a pool in southern Spain. We thought that was... um, going to be the place of best reflection and pressing into God, and, uh, and we did, um, and that was, has been lovely. Lots of you here, I think, have engaged in different ways with Prayer Week as a focus for this thing that is the most important thing that we can do. Let me tell you about a prayer gathering that happened a little while ago on the other side of the pond. 19th century America, the early part of that century, it, the, the nation was in a terrible state. I'm not very good at history, but I've read quite a bit about this. Uh, moral decline, uh, church decline, all kinds of stuff. The addiction to drink, apparently one in 15 adults was addicted to drink. 15,000 died of alcoholism uh, each year. Bank robberies were daily occurrences and so on and so on. The church was in total decline. Many were closed. Many were empty or empty. The Bishop of New York, 
He had seen so little new life, so little, so few people coming to faith that he declared himself unemployed and out of work and he quit and he found a different job. Christianity will be forgotten in 30 years was the message of many. There was a poll at Harvard University. Uh, there wasn't a single Christian believer found in the entire student body in those days. Amazing, amazing statistics. Uh, Christians, where they did exist on campuses, they met in secret and so on. September 19, uh, 1857, Christian businessman called Jeremiah Lanfear, he decided he was going to have a prayer meeting and he was bold enough to advertise the prayer meeting. That was pretty unusual. And he held this prayer, he advertised across the whole of New York. He held the prayer meeting in the upper room of the church that he was connected to, the Dutch Reformed Church in Manhattan. And his prayer was for a new and powerful move of the Spirit of God in his nation. And he advertised across the entire city and six people came to that first prayer meeting and they prayed. And that's what they prayed and that's what, that was the agenda that they prayed about. The next week there were, I think, 14. The next week, uh, 23. And then they decided to meet every day. And by the winter, that church, not just the upper room, but the whole of the church building was being filled actually with those who were praying. By February, March 1858, Every church and public hall in downtown New York was being filled. And there was a newspaper editor, and he sent his, his people out on horse and carriage as, uh, during lunch hours to see if they could count the number of people who were uh, praying it, uh, it, just during the lunch hour in New York at that time. And they couldn't, they had to stop counting. They got to 12 meetings, they had already counted 6,100 people. And then there was this, just this explosion, and the whole thing just uh, escalated. And there's this landslide of, of prayer. And what began to happen? Well, guess what began to happen? God began to respond to that prayer. The Spirit of God began to move in an extraordinary way. It's one of the, the many, many stories of beautiful revival taking place. And literally tens of thousands of people began to come to faith in Jesus in New York. And then increasingly as it spread across uh, the whole of America. There's a church there that called Holy Trinity, interestingly. had 121 members. And six months later, they had 1,400 the statisticians reckon, that those who record these things, that more than a million people came to faith in God in one year out of a population of 30 million. By my calculation, that's the equivalent here of 2 million in the UK coming to faith from nowhere by the end of next summer. It was that kind of magnitude. And then, of course, the revival, if you know your history, it kind of jumped by the Spirit of God. It jumped over the Atlantic, began in Ireland, uh, Scotland, Wales, England, uh, and from there to, to other places as well. There's never been a spiritual awakening in any country or locality that did not begin in prayer. And I don't know what those stories do to you. They tend to lift my spirits. I think that's why we tell them okay, it's a massive story. But as I tell that kind of story, I'll tell one or two others. What I want us to think about is, do you, what are your stories? What are our stories? And they may not be that big. Although, please God, may they become that big one day. But whatever stories of God, you've seen God moving in your life or around your life or in a nation... Whatever blessings are being poured out, whatever breakthrough moments that you've had, wherever you've seen kingdom life, wherever you've witnessed supernatural activity, as best you can, if you trace back the roots of any of those things, your stories, our stories collectively, their roots are always, 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 always found in the same place. And it's the place of prayer. Pray about everything. Why would we not? Every story like that finds its roots in prayer. And that's the bit that we get to do. God gets to do his bit, and his, bit, his big bit is that big. We get to do this bit, but it's just as important. Because without this bit, that bit doesn't happen. Because that's how God set the world up. Pray about everything. I'm going to start with the ending. I've got four conclusions. Here they are. 
Prayer matters because God wants us to flourish. I love that word. I want to speak that word over us today. Flourish. Do you want to flourish? Of course you do. Prosper. All of us. God wants all of us to do that. All of those who are in here, all of those who are outside these walls, all of us, your colleagues, your friends, people in this region, nation, across the planet. Why? Because he loves us and he set us up to flourish. He wants us. It's God's desire, the one who made us. It's his desire for every living being on the planet to flourish, to do well, to experience well-being. His heart is to fill our hearts and lead us into our God-given purposes, his God-given plans for us. And sure, life gets in the way, and sure, life is tough, and sure, there's a whole load of hurdles, but that's his desire, because he loves us so much. That's how we've been created, to fulfill all of that. And then to play our part in seeing the world flourish, his love and grace touching and transforming every aspect of society. How? Through his people, that's you and me. Agents of shalom, agents of, of well-being in every area. Well-being in, in, in healthcare, in education, in business, in, in relationships, in family life especially, in marriages. Well-being. It's his intention, it's his desire, it's his heart, it's his passion more than we could ever know for that to be the case. And all of that, here's the point, is released through prayer. That's how he set it up. He could choose to do all of that himself, by himself, without us. Of course he could. He's God. He chooses not to. He chooses to work in partnership with us. How? As we pray. And it's through prayer, therefore, that those things, those blessings get released. And without prayer, to which God responds, what we're settling for, friends, is something very short-term and very small and very finite Sure, our, our energy and our industry and our skills and our competences all have a part to play in that, but if that's all we rely on, we're going for something so small, so limited, rather than something so big and so infinite and so eternal. Pray about everything. It matters because God wants us to flourish, and that's what releases flourishing. Second conclusion, don't be surprised, never be surprised. That prayer, therefore, is the biggest battleground. Of course it is. Of course it is. I don't need to tell you this. But remember, here's another truth that God releases over us today. We're more than conquerors. We are more than conquerors. Prayer is so foundational. Of course it's the most effective God-given weapon that we have to live the life he has called us to and release that life into the world. So of course it's the number one target for the enemy totally obvious that he is going to throw the kitchen sink at this. And so we feel that opposition, don't we, in a thousand ways. Some of them subtle, some of them blatant. We feel useless about prayer. Oh no, not another talk about prayer. I feel so awful about my prayer life. We get too busy. We get so busy. We, we put off praying till we feel more like it. We fall for the lie that other things actually do matter more, like strategy or vision or hard work or energy, or secretly actually that our work is really what's needed, and it's a bit more significant than what God's going to do. Or we allow discouragement or disappointment of unanswered prayer to infect us. Or we go down that route of guilt and self-condemnation. We listen to that voice, remember my religious parrot on the shoulder, that's, that whispers things like, well, you're not really very good at this. Everybody else's stories are better than your stories about prayer. And that's, that's for them and those heroes, but it's not for you because you're not very, you know, blah, 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 blah. I want to go blah, blah, humbug to all of that stuff. 
as true as it might feel, does feel to me and to you. We know that. The enemy wants us to be powerless, so he goes after the source of the power. He wants us to be prayerless. Can we just remind ourselves, friends, he is a defeated enemy. We've celebrated communion here today. We have rejoiced and sung our songs of praise, thanking God that he has overcome the devil once and for all. Amen? So he's a defeated enemy. The Bible says we therefore are more than conquerors. Sure that some of those opposition things and reluctance things, they're real enough. But we are on the winning side. So let's not be surprised. It's the, big, the biggest battleground is this battleground. Why? Because it matters the most. So the enemy goes after it the most and wants to chop us off at the legs. Three, conclusion, prayer matters, so pray. I've come to the conclusion, I've been around a long time, that pretty much every message on prayer, whatever it says, however it's formulated, actually in the end has one application, one primary application, and it is pray. Isn't it? Well, am I just being a bear of little brain here? I don't, there's, there's no golden bullet. There's no magic formula. We're not sitting there going for, oh, this is the thing that's going to unlock everything that I ever wanted to know about prayer. No, prayer matters, so pray. Of course, it can be refined, and it needs to be in all kinds of ways. Pray more often, pray more intelligently, pray more confidently, pray specifically, pray persistently. Churches like this, we do long series on prayer. We did one last year. We went, pray big, pray bold, pray long, pray deep. Pray every kind of way you can think of to pray. Pray in tongues. Pray alone. Pray with others. Pray with your children. Pray at the table. Pray in the park. Pray quietly. Pray loudly. There is no right or wrong way to pray. There just isn't. Let's get over that. All prayer is good prayer to God. And sure, we need to learn, and we need to grow, and we need to develop, and we need to change, and we need to become the prayer warriors that we're made to be. And that will look a little different for all of us, because we're all differently made. Our relationship with God is uniquely different, so the way that prayer works, which is, after all, simply the, the language of communication between us. Of course, it'll look different, but all of it's good. Essentially, every talk on prayer is an encouragement to do that one thing. It might be more than that, but it's never less than that. Pray! About everything. Justin Welby said the other day, as Christians we are called above all to be a people of... Dot, dot, dot. Could be a whole variety of things. Of course it could. Action, that's good. Love, that's good. Absolutely. Faith, sure. He said prayer. Because actually action, faith, love, other things, even those flow from connection with God, which is prayer. Heaps of resources on how, by the way, I'm not, this isn't a sermon, a message about how the bookstore is full of great books on prayer. If I were to hold one up, if you can find me to one, if your prayer life needs a bit of a kickstart, we've mentioned it so many times before, Mark Batterson's Draw the Circle, 40 Days in Prayer. There's a whole bunch arriving next weekend. Uh, there's one or two left, I think, but uh, Jenny's going to get loads more in for next weekend. Read it if you haven't. You'll have your, your other favourites. E.M. Bound said this, What the church needs most today and every day is not more machinery or better organization or new methods and ministries, but men and women whom the Holy Spirit of God fills and can use. Men and women of prayer, mighty in prayer. Pray about everything. I think Paul, Jesus, other writers of the Bible, I think they come to the same conclusion. Time to test our memories. We learned a verse at the start of this message 10 minutes ago. Are you ready? How does it go? Go. Come on. We're good. 
Paul actually wraps, if you think about it, Paul wraps up the whole of one of his letters to the Ephesian church, which I've often thought has a lot of parallels, more parallels than most letters with us here in Cheltenham, actually. He wraps up the whole letter effectively by saying that. By the way, he said, pray. Pray every kind of prayer you know how to pray. Pray in every kind of situation, you know, all kinds of situations, all kinds of prayers. Pray, 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 pray. Fourth conclusion, encouraging each other to pray, therefore, is one of the most loving things that we can do for each other. Heaps of one another's in the Bible, love one another, encourage one another, and so on. Encourage, pray for one another and encourage each other to pray. We are being stirred to pray. I think Jesus is always wanting to stir his church, his people to pray. But I need that, we need that. I think that's happening in this season. It's why we have a prayer week. If you're anything like me, your prayer life can get deflated like, a, like a, an air mattress that just kind of gets all saggy. What do I need? I need encouragement to be re-stirred, reinvigorated. My prayer life can, can diminish to just me and my little needs. The help God kind of prayer. I'm not diminishing that kind of prayer. God loves us. We're his children. He wants us to ask those kind of prayers. The help God, kind of, me and my needs kind of prayers. But I need the encouragement in my prayer life when it loses momentum. I need the encouragement of others. So it's one of the best things that we can do for each other is to encourage each other to pray. I'm going to be honest and say um, I love all technology. You know that. I'm a, I'm a tech kid. Um, those who know me well know that's a huge lie. But I give, thanks for, I give thanks for WhatsApp. I think WhatsApp's amazing. We have a family group. We have a big family. Um, it's just been added to, by the way, so we're now seven, not six, because our daughter got married. Um, by the way, I think that's the, the, the technological consummation of a marriage is when the in-law becomes a member of the WhatsApp group. <laughs> I just think, I'm just, just saying. Um, and that's happened. So, all to say, our family WhatsApp group, as it happens, is, is a place that buzzes every day. And one of, if I'm honest, one of the best things about it every day, it'd be a very rare day on our family group where there isn't an encouragement to pray about something or for someone or for some situation. I need that. I love that. We love that. We need that. We all need encouraging. It's different from affirmation, by the way. I've said that before. Affirmation says, you're great, you're doing really well, and we need that. It's a pat on the back. Encouragement is a push in the back. You are great, but God is great, and you can do it, and you've got what it takes. Now take that to Jesus. I need pointing to Jesus all the time, and so do you, in prayer. Sure, there's a whole bunch of mystery involved in it. Don't get how it works. Don't need to know how it works, particularly. Be suspicious of anybody who's got neat answers. And I'm acknowledging here, friends, that we all know what it's like to have prayers that are unanswered. We all know what it's like to feel that discouragement or that disappointment. By the way, Jesus did too. Prayer of uh, his in the Garden of Gethsemane, asking God to take away his suffering. That didn't happen. But we cannot get hung up and stuck and, and, and bogged down in the stuff that is not happening, focused on what's, what God is not doing, what's not going well, focusing on our lack, the things that we haven't got. We can so easily get stuck there. I don't want to minimize some of the right questions that we ask, but the Bible's focus is not there. It's on the God of abundance, God of grace, a God who through prayer unlocks extraordinary things. It's not pastoral or loving to water down the promises of God or find some reason why they don't apply to you just to make me or the other person feel a little bit more comfortable. That is not a loving thing to do at all. So sure, I need people to validate my feelings, but I don't want them to climb in the pit with me and just offer me sympathy. I want them to push me onwards and remind me that God is grace and God is amazing and he's made some promises and to keep going. 
African early believers were regular in their private devotions and they had a, a spot, it was said, each one had a spot in the, in the sort of thicket, the bushy area that they would go to and have their time with the Lord. And because they would walk there every day, the, the path would get worn away to, to where they were praying. And the story was told that they could easily tell if somebody was not being as regular in their devotions. Because the path, and they would say to each other gently, kindly, brother, the grass is growing on your, on your path. I love that. What's the equivalent for us? Are we bold and courageous enough to say that to one another? I hope that we might be. The Bible sets the bar high. We're not at liberty to lower it just because we don't understand or we have some difficult feelings about this sometimes. Well, those are my conclusions. I've hardly got any time to say anything else. Um, let me say t- two or three things, just two or three things about this. My bit of refining, if, if it, pray about everything is uh, the message. Pray about everything. There's a whole bunch of reasons why we might pray. My bit of refining might be to say why, because prayer changes everything. There's a whole bunch of other reasons why we should pray, which are linked to that. Jesus tells us to, by the way. He models it. If we're followers of Jesus and we're not praying, we're not followers of Jesus, because he did it, and we model it. He told us to, so we do it. The disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray, not to do anything else. And interest, well, they probably did, but not recorded in Scripture. Not teach us to preach teach us to do a bunch of other, teach us to pray. This is after they'd spent a lot of time with him, seeing him and the importance of prayer for him. A whole whole load of reasons to pray. But prayer changes things. Again, totally obvious, but prayer works. It changes us, it changes other things. Literally, as I um, wrote that sentence in my notes, uh, as I was preparing this a few days ago, that prayer, prayer literally changes things. The more I pray, the more... Things happen. Things happen when I pray, which don't happen when I don't pray. Literally, a text arrived, literally as I wrote those words, and it was from a guy in our life group, and uh, we've been praying for him for a new job because he's having a very difficult employment situation, and we've been praying about that consistently, and and the text comes through, I've been given a great job in Bristol. I've signed up a new contract with Lloyd's Bank in Bristol. It's just a reminder, prayer works. Prayer changes stuff. Why? Because God loves us and God loves to answer prayer. Pick your favorite verse in the Bible, your favorite promise in the Bible. Amy might scroll through them. I'm not going to read them all, but there's just a a bunch of promises about God and his willingness to answer prayer. I noticed, by the way, I hadn't hadn't realized this, that the Wi-Fi code has changed. Probably changed about two years ago and I didn't notice. The Wi-Fi code in this building is Matthew 7.7. Did you know that? Do you know what Matthew 7.7 says? It's on the screen. Or it will be if Amy can find it. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. How many times does God say that? Through and through and through the scriptures. Ask, ask, ask. Keep asking, keep praying. I'm going to, re- I, I'm going to release blessing over you. The promises are, are so gargantuan that we, we sort of self doubt Really, God? Really, did you say that? And sure, there's some conditions around that, attached to that. Pray in my name. Align ourselves with things that glorify him. Truly, I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Prayer changes stuff because God loves us. Three overlapping, very broad areas and very quickly. Prayer changes me. Prayer changes my inner world as I pray, as I pray for others, as I pray for myself, as I pray. I get changed. If I want to, by the way, big underline, I say this often here. We only change if we want to. Let's not settle. We were praying next door. I felt it was so important. Friends, we cannot settle. Surely you don't want to stay as you are. Surely you don't want your inner world to stay as it is. Tell me that you want to grow in character to look more like Jesus. 
and for your attitudes and your perspectives to be more godlike. I do, and I know that we do. But God doesn't make us change. But as we pray openly about stuff, we get changed. Think about any of the heroes of the, the faith in, in the scriptures. Take any of your favorites, David, Daniel, Moses, Ruth, Hezekiah, Paul. You, you, you'd pick any, and you'll find that the source of how they changed and became the people that they did was because of their relationship with God, which is fundamentally around prayer. Exactly a year ago, I was just looking at my journal this week, exactly a year, a year ago, um, Hills and I felt led to have another retreat in another, another nice place where it was sunny. Uh, we were on sabbatical, if you remember those who were around. And I was in a church building, And I'd been praying for some time for a particular stronghold in my inner world that had been holding me back, undermining my faith. It felt like I was sort of snared to it. I'd been praying for God to release me from that for for a long time. And I was in uh, a church, I'm going to tell you, it was in Hawaii. Um, (laughs) Sorry, I've just dropped it again. Um, And uh, and I went forward for ministry, a place like this, at the front of the church, and the guy praying from nowhere, I didn't tell him, he just prayed about the same thing that I'd been praying about for a while. And decisively in that moment, that stronghold was broken. Something was broken in me. And a year to pretty much to the day today, I've been free in that area. Does it continue to be a vulnerability? Potentially, but I've known a new freedom in that area from that particular thing that was very undermining for me. How did it happen? Prayer. Pray about everything. Prayer changes us. My favorite patch of carpet, by the way, in the whole world is, I'm going to cry, is this patch of carpet right here not because it's a special bit of carpet, not because it's more important than that bit over there, but the amount of breakthrough that has happened here, God bringing release to people and setting them free from the things that hold us back. Why? Because they wanted to change. They made the dangerous journey to come here. Felt really hard for some people to do that. It will feel hard for some people here today to make that journey as I invite us in a minute to do it. But there's something about that willingness and then about the combination of mortal, fragile human beings laying a hand on a shoulder and inviting the power of God into that life that changes us. And it may be a a suddenly, like it was a, a year ago for me, but that came off the back of a whole bunch of other prayers, or it may be a gradually. The point is that it's prayer that releases that stuff. It's prayer that changes our hearts. Nothing else will. Prayer in combination with the power of God. Come and make this bit of carpet even more sort of snot-soaked than it already is. I mean, it's, you know, we probably ought to get it changed more regularly than we do, but it's something about the memorial, actually, of a whole bunch of tears that speaks of the activity of God. It changes me. It changes my inner world. Prayer changes my outer world. Of course it does. The needs that I'm praying for, the things that are going on. You're sitting in a building, those who are new to the story here, that in the 1970s, not that long ago, was due for closure So few were the people who chose to attend at that point. And God did a whole variety of things, including leaders at that time, but there were a bunch of praying saints. And there's one or two still in the room. Many have graduated to glory, but there's some... Oh dear, I'm going to cry again. There were some praying saints. It's all they could do, but it's the best thing they could do. They prayed that God would somehow bring some new life to this community of faith. And, And we who've had the privilege of being around for a while... You, if you're new, you're living on the back of the legacy of what people pray. Well, we can't afford to stop for the people who come after us. Amen? We can't live on. Every revival has died eventually. Why? Because it, it started in prayer, but it was not sustained in prayer. And, the, and, and people switched off, and the prayer seeds weren't sown for the next generation. Prayer changes stuff around us. 
I gave a rather unimaginative father of the bride speech at Becca's wedding, uh, based around B-E-C-C-A, rather predictably but satisfyingly. I got to A, and A, A I could only say was for answer for prayer. S- smaller example in, in my own life, things being changed. Timmy and Becca, their marriage, that, that day, all that it represented was, was, was the culmination, the answer to many, many prayers, hills and mine from the day that Becca was born. Uh, the, the other family who happened to a Christian family, probably some of you, thank you for the part you might have played. Everything, we were overwhelmed with the answers to This represents answers to prayer. It would not have happened if there hadn't been prayer underpinning all of that. Because prayer changes stuff in our inner world, in our outer world, and in the world, finally. The world. Do you know, big prayers honor a big God. Hills gave a most incredible talk about that a year ago. Look it up. Big prayers honor a big God. If people looked at the size of our prayers, the nature of our prayers, what would they conclude about the size and nature of the God to whom we pray? I'm really challenged by that question because as I say, when my prayer life has the air sucked out of it, I default to, like we all do, me and my needs. It's not that they're not unwelcome. The Father welcomes those prayers. But big prayers. Thy kingdom come is a big prayer. It is a huge prayer. Your kingdom, where you're the king, where, you're, where you rule, where you reign, where your life breaks in, where things are different in my community, town, nation, world, world whatever, that's a massive prayer to be praying. Let's be praying those prayers alongside with all the other prayers. I'm sure we were this week at the prayer gatherings. And we need to continue to. Berlin Wall. Do I need to retell that story? I think it was 1983. Brother Andrew opened doors. Uh, organization, felt a call to pray for the next seven years from 1983 for Russia in particular, because uh, in those days the persecution of Christians, hundreds of thousands of Christians persecuted in Russia, many in jail, that kind of thing, and specifically to pray for that God would smash down the barriers that uh, were physical representations, if you like, of spiritually what was going on. And, and you don't need me to, tell, to, to, to remind you of the history. It was only seven years later that the Berlin Wall comes crashing down 1989. And only a year after that, uh, that prison doors began to open. And Open Door, the Open Doors organization, Brother Andrew's organization, they were given permission freely to distribute a million Bibles to Russians in the country of Russia. Only seven years after beginning to pray. And not a single Christian leader, uh, a year after the Berlin Wall fell, was uh, kept in prison in Russia for their, for their faith. That's kingdom coming, amen? That's big prayers over a long period of time, sustained prayer, energetic. There would have been days when that was discouraging, days when that was disappointing. Lord, when are you going to do this? Those people kept praying. Prayer changes us. It changes our inner world. It changes the outer world around us, the things that we're engaged in, the situations that we're involved in. It changes the world. Why? Because God loves us. Always starts with him. And he always starts with love. God loves us. He wants us to do well. He wants us to make the most of the three school years and ten, or a bit more, or a bit less, that we have on the planet to flourish. And not in small ways, but actually in big ways that release life over us and those that we're connected to, and that release life over a world that doesn't yet know him. He's given us the most powerful weapon to wield as we partner with his Holy Spirit. And he's asking us again, will you use it? 
How will you use it? How much will you use it? Where will you use it? When will you use it? Will you pray? Will you be a people characterized by prayer? Prayer changes everything. We learned a verse at the beginning of the message. Can you remember what it was? (laughs) Together, quietly, pray about everything. Let's stand.